the explosive new film, Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost, exposes secrets behind the government's takedown of General Michael Flynn. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. He told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. They had to get rid of Flynn. Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to SalemNow.com. SalemNow.com. Here today on Truth For Today, we begin a series looking forward to Easter. Won't you join us as we focus in on Gethsemane next here on Truth For Today. Once again, greetings and welcome to today's broadcast of Truth For Today with Pastor Phil Howard. Today, we begin a series looking at Easter, and we focus on Gethsemane, the most critical prayer time in history. It's there that we see our Lord and Savior go through a serious time of prayer that you and I could only dream about. Join us as we understand this moment of prayer, the most critical prayer time in history. Here's Pastor Phil Howard with today's broadcast of Truth For Today. When Jesus had spoken these words, he went out with his disciples across the Kidron Valley, where there was a garden. Only the other Gospels name it Gethsemane. John just says a garden, which he and his disciples entered. Now Judas, who was to betray him, knew the place, for Jesus often met there with his disciples. And so in the narrative, we get into the arrest. But what John omits is what happened in Gethsemane. Matthew, Mark, and Luke all give us a picture of Gethsemane, and we enter into it. And so let's go to Matthew 26 and see what took place in Gethsemane. And we'll pick up in Matthew 26, verse 36. Then Jesus went with them to a place called Gethsemane. And it means the place of the oil pressure, pressure, vats, where they pressed out the olive oil. It speaks of a place of uh, putting olives under pressure to get what was out of them. And what a fitting name for the Savior facing the greatest pressure of his life. And he said to his disciples... Sit here while I go over there and pray. And taking with him Peter and the two sons of Zebedee, James and John, he began to be sorrowful and troubled. Then he said to them, My soul is very sorrowful even unto death. Remain here and watch with me. And going a little further, He fell on his face and prayed, saying, My father, in the Greek language, you would say, Since it is possible, let this cup pass from me. Nevertheless, not as I will, but as you will. And he came to the disciples, and he found them sleeping. And he said to Peter, So could you not watch with me one hour? Watch and pray that you may not enter into temptation. The spirit indeed is willing, but the flesh is weak. Again, for the second time, he went away and prayed, My father, 
if this cannot pass away, unless I drink it, your will be done. And again he came and he found them sleeping, for their eyes were heavy. So leaving them again, he went away and prayed for the third time, saying the same words again. Then he came to the disciples and he said to them, Sleep and take your rest. See the hour is at hand, and the Son of Man is betrayed into the hands of sinners. Rise, let us be going. See, my betrayer is at hand. I call this the most critical prayer meeting in history. There's no cross without Gethsemane. There's no redemption if he will not drink the cup. And he could refuse to drink the cup and still be God. God will be God whether you ever get saved or not. God doesn't owe anyone's salvation. He's not in debt. You are. And uh, it's an amazing thing to come here that Hebrews says, we have a sympathetic high priest who in all points was tempted like we are, so that he might sympathize with us in any pressure we bring to him. There was a philosophy in the time of Scripture. Uh, it came out of Greece. It was the Stoical philosophy. And the Stoics were people, we use the phrase, he's Stoical, which means you show no effect. Uh, your countenance does not reflect emotion. Because Stoicism was built upon emotion weakens you, Emotion uh, makes you vulnerable. Uh, emotion must be conquered if you are to lead, if you are to conquer. You must not show emotion. So the whole stoical school of philosophy, they taught what was known, and, and they made two words. Uh, in Latin and Greek, if you put a, an A in front of a word, if you say amoral, what does that mean? No morals. The A Privative makes it negative. And they said, we teach our children apathia. What's that? No passion. No emotion. So they would train their children from a young age. They would often do this. They would uh, let a son uh, raise a pet, get it to a certain age, and the dad may come up and decapitate the dog. And the boy would be spanked and severely disciplined if he shed a tear or showed any emotion. He must be taught to show no emotion. And they have this view of God. God, if anything, stays angry. But he cannot be touched by humans' emotions because that would weaken him, make him vulnerable, and make him manipulated. But the God of the Bible is a God full of emotions. And we, he didn't get his emotions from us. We got ours from him. I made him the image of God, including my emotional capacity. Animals can, don't have the emotions we have. It is a sacred trust. And when we go into the garden, I want us to see two great battles. One is the emotional valley and trauma that the Son of God goes through. Second, the volitional choices he makes. And then thirdly, what can we learn from it? Let's.
good. I will just give you key concepts. They're found in the three narratives, and I won't track them all down for you, so maybe the PowerPoint will help you there. When he went into the garden, it says that uh, he began uh, to feel this grief, became sorrowful, which is just the normal. It's the same word for grieving the spirit, uh, to grieve, to become sorrowful. And then it uses this word uh, that he not only became sorrowful, he became troubled. And in some translations, he became distressed. And the word distress means uh, distracted by sorrow. Uh, he, he can't keep his head clear. Uh, he, he's, uh, as it were, it seems when you're in grief, when you're overwhelmed with trial, it's hard to keep your mind on what you ought to be doing. And so there's a sense of uh, distraction, disintegration. Uh, I'm fighting to keep it together. Uh, I'm, my emotions are going everywhere. And I've got to keep my head, keep my heart. I've got to keep the goal. But I am being troubled in spirit. My emotional life is, is exploding. Because the shadow of the cross is falling on Gethsemane. And this prayer meeting is only maybe 10 hours from the cross. He'll be tried through the night, six trials, three before the Gentiles, three before the Jews. And by nine o'clock, he'll be on a cross. And it's night in Gethsemane. And so while he's there, he's troubled. It's all coming on him. It's all falling on him at once. And he feels this distraction. And then it goes on to say he was deeply grieved. And what that is, they just added a little preposition means he was surrounded by it. It was like he was ambushed. Peri lupe. I'm surrounded. I'm encompassed with this. And it says, I'm surrounded by sorrow. I'm overwhelmed with distress. Luke says he went in agony. And it's just simply our word, agonia. It was used of athletics, struggle, conflict, agonia. And he says, I, I'm in agony. I'm in the struggle of my life. I'm in the struggle of the whole mission. You see, it's easy to make a plan in eternity past. It's easy to say before the foundation of the world he was slain. It's easy on paper. The execution is emotionally draining. Costly. You can write anything on paper. What will you carry out? And it's time to carry it out. And the shadows are there. And all of the agony involved. So the emotional life of the Savior is just being, uh, my, it's, it's caught in a perfect storm. Luke said he prayed earnestly while he was in the garden. And that simply meant uh, to be stretched fervently. It was like a runner stretching over a, a goal. He, he was being stretched in his emotional life. He said in Mark uh, 14.33 that he was amazed at what he was going through. And the word there is to be in the grip of shuddering horror. Uh, to be in the face of uh, dreadful prospects. I know it, I am now entering into a valley and, and in a situation 
uh, that is the most dreadful thing I will have ever incur in time. And surely it will be the thing that will either populate eternity or I can leave it vacant. Because if I don't go through this hour in the will of God, all my enemies and all those who hate me will go to hell rightfully. Unless I get through this hour and this prayer meeting and do the Father's will, the race will be lost. Everything's at stake in Gethsemane. Everything. So, we go into what's going on volitionally. We know this is an emotional. He's in the valley of Baca. He's in the valley of tears. And what's going to go on here? He, he's embracing shame, crucifixion, the presence of God being withdrawn from him. It's going to be man's worst hour and Satan's seemingly triumphant hour. Uh, he faced temptations like this. Maybe I, am I being tempted to leave the work unfinished? I'll do everything. I'll leave him with the Sermon on the Mount, but I won't leave him with the cross. I'll leave him a bunch of miracles, but I won't go to a cross. I think he may have uh, struggled with, can I get through this hour? According to Luke, God had to send an angel to help him. That's pretty weak. Had to give him physical strength. Because he's wrung out. Because Luke is the only one that says his sweat was like great drops of blood. And then he adds, so God sent an angel to help him. Amazing. What was going on? This is the Son of God. Drenching wet from the agony he was experiencing in the garden. He was already maybe contemplating in this struggle the being forsaken by God. Uh, maybe the devil was tempting him, you won't achieve the redemption of your people anyway. Why don't you just stop? Do you think the devil was in the garden? Do you think the powers of hell were talking? Do you think that uh, he who was to crush the head of the serpent, his heel is being bruised in the process. And do you believe the liar that showed up in the 40 days in the wilderness? The liar that showed up in Eden. Do you think the liar would miss any opportunity? Because he said in Luke, when he left him after the 40 days, he said, I'll wait for an opportune time to come back and visit you. This is the opportune time. The devil is a strategist. He knows when you're the weakest, and it's when he's going to offer his greatest lies. It's a time of lonely prayer, humble prayer. There's three volitional things that the emotions could not get him through. Number one, will you submit... To the hour. To the hour. And uh, what is the hour? Uh, Luke twenty two fifty three said this. This is your hour. This is in the garden. And when they came to arrest him. And the power of darkness. Listen to that. He's saying to the men. This is your hour. And besides it being just the human hour. To do whatever you will. It's also the hour of darkness. So what's happening here, 
throughout the ministry of Christ, Christ said in John 7, no man could touch him for his hour had not come. John 8, 20, 12, 33, you, over and over he'd say, my hour hasn't come. My hour hasn't come. Uh, you want to throw me over a cliff? You can't. My hour hasn't come. You want to hurt me? You can't. Because you see, I'm invincible in the will of God. And when Peter got a little zealous with a sword, he says, oh, don't worry. I've got angels standing on the banks of heaven ready to come and rescue me. I'm not being trapped here. I'm in a submission mode. I got all the power. I can command myself now and go straight up. I'm God. But he said, I'll submit to the hour, and I'll let men in hell do everything they want to do. And so in Gethsemane and at the cross, man did his worst, and the devil did his best, and the devil thought he won. The hour, the will of God, lets me finally say, do with me what you will. And he tells Pilate, well, you know, I'm in authority. He said, you'd have no authority if my father didn't give it to you. Don't scare me with your authority. You see, you're talking to God. But God will submit like a lamb and die a criminal's death for his enemies. Then he mentions to the father three times, I would like for you to take this cup away from me. Take this cup away. What is the cup? It's interesting that he's just taken the Passover cup with them, and they drank the cup that celebrated God's deliverance from Egypt. So they had drank that cup. But now he's saying the cup, the cup. Matter of fact, uh, the new covenant contains a this is death celebration. The, this is the blood of a new covenant. And blood used in scripture usually means a this is death under the penalty of God. It doesn't mean I just died. See, a sick lamb could not atone for you. Christ didn't die of sickness. He died under the hand of God totally well. 33 years of age. A sick Christ could not atone. A powerful Christ alone could atone. And so he says, this cup, and you've got different men. You'll read some commentators and they'll say, uh, it was his dread of physical death. I don't take that view because he kept prophesying that I want to die a physical death. After three days, I'll rise again. Many people have faced physical death with courage uh, and not all this agony going on in the garden. Uh, even martyrs, we've got a history on the side of martyrs singing hymns while they're being set on fire. Uh, martyrs singing while a sword is being put to their children and their wife. Oh, no, no. The martyrs have died nobly. So this isn't the fear of physical death. Some, uh, like men like Dwight Pentecost, it's the fear of uh, when will my resurrection take place? Maybe uncertain about the timing. I struggle with that because he kept saying three days later, I will rise again. So I think, well, uh, did he go blank on that prophecy at this time? And grief can make you forget promises. Grief can make you. And, and so he, because on, in Acts 2, part of the sermon of Peter was, by the way, and hear me, God didn't let one skin worm work in the body of Jesus when he was in the grave. None. No 
kind of decomposition. I will not let my Holy One see corruption. That means physical corruption. Worms can't work on this body. Not this Christ. This is the Lamb. This is the atonement. And worms won't do. Perfect. Kept. Most likely the cup, which is commonly used in the Old Testament, even in Revelation, used as a container of the wrath of God. The wrath of God. And so the cup, as I understand it, is in that cup he's seeing, I'm going to be abandoned by you, Father, if I go through with this. The God, I've been in perfect harmony and fellowship. If I ransom sinners, it's going to cost me fellowship with you. For the abandonment of the cross is coming. And I don't want to lose you, Father. But to find them, I have to lose you. To get them, I lose you. I can't. I see it will be a living hell for me to have six hours without your fellowship and help. So I'm seeing an eternal separation because that's what six hours would be like for me. The cup is a treacherous cup full of separation, alienation, abandonment, and the wrath of God being so thoroughly poured out on the Lamb that he could pay the price to get God's enemies into heaven. You know, sometimes I think we overdo the gift aspect of salvation. We'll, we'll say, especially around here, oh, it's a gift, it's a gift, it's a gift. It's free, it's free. It doesn't cost you anything. Hey, wait, wait, just hear me a little bit. Just because it didn't cost the recipient anything, it cost the giver everything. And all this free, 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 free. It's free to you. It's free to you. It's not free to him. God spared not his son. Abraham, you got deliverance. Abraham, I came to your rescue. All you had to do is be willing. And you had the knife. And all of a sudden, bah, bah. And he said, Jehovah Jireh, the Lord will provide. And he rescued Abraham. And a lot of places in your life, God just wants to know if you're willing. Sometimes he plunges the knife. And there was no lamb to rescue God's son. There were no angels to rescue this sacrifice. And God said, I will not spare my son to get you hell-deserving sinners into heaven. That's, this is the price for your redemptions taking place in Gethsemane. Why would you want to populate heaven with people who hate you? I want to tell you where I grew up. I never felt inclined like that. And every guy that beat me up, I just thought, if I was bigger or smarter or had a weapon like a ball bat, we would have settled. I ain't letting you win. And me walking away saying, by the way, I want to give you a gift. And God says, the whole human race grieves me. I've destroyed it once under the flood. I'm grieved with you. I'm weeping over Jerusalem. Well, what are you going to do about it? 
I'm going to spare not my son and let him die for every wretched hatred thing you've ever done. And this is Truth For Today with Pastor Phil Howard. Our time today spent in God's Word to encourage you to bring you truth for today. If you have questions or comments about our time together, we would invite you to write to us. You can either visit our website and drop us an email, write to us via U.S. mail, or give us a call. Another way to reach out to us with your questions would be to simply record them on your voice memo app on your smartphone and then email that audio to tftquestions at valleybible.org. Our phone number is 855-833-9864. Our website, truthfortodayradio.org. And if you're writing to us, the address is 1511 M. Sycamore Avenue, Suite 278, Hercules, California. The zip code is 94547. If you have questions about the ministry of Truth For Today and how we are funded to air on this radio station, we would love to talk with you. We are listener-supported, quite simply, and no gift is too small, no gift is too large. Whether it's a one-time gift or a monthly gift, it all goes back into the radio ministry, ensuring that it airs on this radio station. So would you consider that as you reach out to us here at Truth For Today? One other note as we close out our time today, while Pastor Phil is the pastor emeritus at Valley Bible Church in Hercules, we are still very much a part of this body. And if you are looking for a church, we would invite you to join us. Now, we know that this current crisis has us all sequestered away. So you can join us at valleybible.org, where we stream our services. Again, valleybible.org. And then, as we find ourselves released from this quarantine, we will be meeting together here in Hercules. And for information, directions, and details, again, visit valleybible.org. And then we invite you to come back and join us next time for another broadcast of Truth For Today with Pastor Phil Howard. 